Let's get down to business. Welcome to Profits and Purpose, a Colorado Business Roundtable production that unapologetically tells the stories of businesses good through conversations with Colorado's business leaders. Please welcome your host, the president of the Colorado Business Roundtable, Debbie Brown. Just want to welcome everyone today to Colorado Business Roundtable's podcast, Profits and Purpose. And really excited today to welcome Helen Young Hayes to the conversation today. Thanks, Debbie. I'm so glad to be here. First thing I want to do, you've got an incredible bio, a lot of really interesting experiences, everything from the private sector to nonprofit to what you're working on now. Before we jump into the details of what you're working on today, give me a sense of your journey. How have you ended up in this position here in Denver, Colorado? Well, I think that uh, the first thing that you should know about me is that I am the daughter of Chinese immigrants. My parents' families became refugees during World War II, and they lost everything except family, our common Chinese heritage, and an insatiable love of learning. Ultimately, they both immigrated to the United States in the 50s, and they both pursued PhD degrees. Mom got hers in chemistry and dad got his in physics. They moved our family to a small college town, Starkville, Mississippi, in 1965 at the height of the civil rights movement. Ultimately, they sent four kids to Yale. Wow. I didn't realize all four of you went to Yale. (laughs) We had four of us who went to Yale. And I have to say that My parents moved to this country for the promise and the potential that is America. I'm not just a passionate believer in the American dream, but I am the embodiment of the American dream. I love that. My dad was also a physics major in college, and that's such an interesting type of person who becomes interested in physics, don't you think? I have to confess that I never took physics, and I paid almost no attention to my high school chemistry teacher. So (laughs) I think that gene skipped me. Yeah, me too as well. So after college, tell us, is that when you went to work for Janus? You've been in the financial sector, sector for quite some time. Tell me about your professional journey after Yale. I had intended to follow my parents' footsteps and get a PhD in economics, but I had a short stop on the way, what I thought was going to be a short stop on the way, and took a very interesting role as a research analyst for a Wall Street firm, where I studied companies and industries in order to help our fund managers make investment decisions. That two-year stint turned into a 20-year career. I found that I really loved the thrill of analyzing industries from the top down and companies from the bottom up and finding undiscovered value, investment ideas that were overlooked and undervalued by other investors. People who know about your past, do you have trouble at cocktail receptions now, Helen, or people wanting tips for investing? Or do you feel like, uh, you know, the past is the past? Or how, That would be a funny cocktail conversation, sort of like if you were a physician and people kept coming to you for advice on physical aspects. People still ask me for my best and hottest stock Stock tip. tip. And sometimes I'll joke and say, buy low, sell high. (laughs) Or buy plastics, right? That's right. But more more typically, I, I tell them something that leads to a lot of disappointment because 
I say that the pathway to riches is to spend a lot less than you earn. So save more, spend less, and that's how you build wealth. Yeah, it's it's not a quick fix, is it? That's part of that American dream process as well. That's in, right. In that's right. For sure. I started off as a research analyst on Wall Street and then moved to Denver, Colorado and joined the fledgling firm of Janus Capital. I was the 16th employee at a little known buy side shop. Ultimately, I launched and grew the global and international portfolios at Janus and managed the flagship Janus Worldwide Fund and the Janus Overseas Funds with about 50 billion in assets under management. I also served as chief investment officer and I retired in 2002 to spend time with my five kids who at that time were all under the age of 10. Wow. Do you miss being in that whirlwind of $50 billion of asset management? How was it going from that to being home with five children? I can't imagine a more stark contrast. <laughs> that is very stark. It was fantastic. I loved, I loved the, the ability to spend time with my kids because they were growing up so fast. And in the blink of an eye, suddenly I found myself with grown children. And so I'm glad I took that time to really slow down and spend time with them. But I never did stop investing. And as a matter of fact, in this recent market volatility, I was very, very busy, not only running Activate, which is my, which is my new career, but also picking stocks during this opportunity that we've just had. <laughs> Do you run any kind of an investment portfolio for other people or is it or is it something that you just do personally? I don't want that pressure again. <laughs> <Of man> <laughs> That's true. Of managing money for other individuals. We had, I had about a million shareholders. And so I don't miss managing other people's money. That is true. I, I, I don't even like to manage my own. So I can't imagine how that would feel. Well, pivot back. And it's really fun to hear about your five kids. I'm also a mom of three. I call them adultish now, which is an interesting stage of life. Really feel like it's fun to have kids that are more, more becoming friends than really, you know, kids that need my help now day to day. So it's a wonderful new adventure, but sometimes balancing work and motherhood was always kind of a work in progress. Um, how did you do that? You know, of course, when they were real under 10, that was probably a whole nother ball of wax working for Janice. But how do you see balancing those roles in your life, Helen? Well, that's an ongoing discussion and debate among our family, <laughs> to be <laughs> honest. I, I can't say that I've mastered that uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And as a matter of fact, I think I'm probably pretty poor at that because I actually really, really love to work at the things that are important to me. So I, I have to say I'm a work in progress on finding the time to do everything that's important to me. I will say though that, oh, hang on. I don't even know how to say what I wanna say, Debbie. Um, I think it is almost impossible to strike a balance between work and family and life and personal interests and so for me, I try to relish the time that I have with family and friends. I try to 
work really hard at what I do and I try to find lots of time to do things like garden and cook and hike and surf so that I can uh, uh, replenish. I think there's actually, I really liked how you phrased it. I think there's beauty in the imperfections. And sometimes when we put so much pressure on ourselves to be power mom, power this, power that, uh, you know, it's just unrealistic. So as I think about my imperfections as a mother or my imperfections in my career, you know, at the end of the day, I just take a deep breath and know that I am living my best life and navigating it as best I can. So I, I actually feel like for moms, that gives us a sense of, you know, some sense of relief, right? You don't have to be perfect all the time. Yes. Well, I gave up the notion of perfection quite a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I could. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me more about surfing before we move on. I, gardening, I understand. Surfing, that's amazing. Where do you surf in Colorado? That must be on a trip that you got to take to go find a, a place to surf. I only get to surf about twice a year, and that's in Hawaii. I first started surfing about 20 years ago, 25 years ago, and... Yeah, it, as a as a swimmer, I, I was a competitive swimmer when I was growing up. Surfing really is a natural extension of of swimming and paddling and and catching waves. Okay, very fun. Well, tell me, let's jump in. Give me a little bit of information about Activate, and then I really, really want to spend some time on what you're what you're working on now with the inclusive economy. But let's start with Activate and your passion for helping people build stronger economic futures. I started Activate four and a half years ago because I want to end poverty for people in Colorado. Growing up in the segregated South, I had an upfront view of the social and economic apartheid that is the experience of African-Americans, particularly in Mississippi in the 60s and 70s, but still today. And from an early age, I knew that this inequity was simply wrong. When I came out of retirement to launch Activate, I did it because I wanted to enable the American dream to be experienced by, by more Americans. And so we founded Activate. I founded Activate to help individuals who are humble, hungry, and smart, but undervalued and overlooked by the economy to connect them with their fullest potential through the dignity of work, through connecting them with economically mobile, successful career path opportunities, and then supporting them with coaching so that they can acquire the life and the professional skills necessary to thrive and to become economically mobile. At Activate, we take individuals who might have had non-traditional career paths or experienced generational poverty or episodic poverty through health challenges, through other challenges, and we simply place them into environments where they can really flourish by helping them access career path jobs and becoming successful in the middle class. And so at Activate, we are not just tripling people's incomes in a year, which we do, but we also are transforming their lives through our coaching with life and professional skills. And so it's about transformation. It's about changing lives and it's, it's intoxicating. It's, it's something I really want to share with other people. And if our business partners wanted to be more involved with Activate, what's the right website they should go to, to see how they can partner with you, provide job opportunities, look at ways that they can be helpful. 
you can find us on www.activatework.com. Okay, great. And then I want to transition to have more time into what you are working on currently that feels like an extension to some degree of Activate's mission. So tell us more about Inclusive Economy. Um, You're the author and executive sponsor. You've got a lot of good, great CEOs that are involved in Colorado that are trying to use the disruption of COVID-19 and the economic mess that coincides with the global health pandemic to actually change the economy so we don't go back to status quo. Is that, does that kind of sum it up or tell us more about how that, how that works, Helen? That's it exactly, Debbie. During COVID, obviously none of my employers were recruiting. I had the rare luxury of both time and thinking. And I started challenging myself and asking myself, how do I want to emerge from this once in a century experience? And more importantly, how do I want the world to look as a result of this once in a century experience? And so I thought, well, I believe I can be not just a thought leader, but a change agent to spur us on in Colorado to rebuilding this time, not with just business as usual, because business as usual doesn't work for everyone. I thought perhaps I can encourage leaders to intentionally rebuild this time with diversity, equity, and inclusion of people of color in mind, not just as an afterthought, but as a central part of our goal of rebuilding a community that invites all to have a seat at the table. So the inclusive economy movement was born out of COVID and out of the pandemic, but the deaths of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Armory fanned the movement into flame as the deaths ignited the conscience of our nation to realizing that systemic injustice and inequity cannot persist. This is the responsibility of us all to build a community that invites all to have equal and shared opportunity, equal and shared possibility and prosperity. So tell me who's involved who's involved in the effort. I know that you've even launched, you know, some efforts today as as just this morning. Uh, And then what are you asking of those folks that are involved? What are the measurables that you're seeking from the business community and, and the group? We are building our movement on three fundamental challenges and goals. One, to transform our own workforces, to make them places of equity, inclusion, and diversity by doing top-down, bottom-up, and inside-out transformation of our systems, of our processes, of our hearts and minds, so that we build places where people of color can thrive from the C-suite and the board level all the way to entry level. That's the first call to action. The second call to action is to recognize that we do have a two-tiered economy because we have a two-tiered talent pipeline. We have skilled talent and unskilled talent. And unfortunately, unskilled talent is largely populated by people of color. So we must, as business leaders, invest in our workforce of the future. And so the second call to action is partner with those organizations, those educational institutions that are training and upskilling and new skilling and reskilling diverse talent. And so it could be community colleges, youth apprenticeship programs, and other programs that are skilling up and launching diverse talent. And third, 
invest in the greater ecosystem by supporting minority-owned businesses and entrepreneurs of color. And my understanding, Helen, from reading it is you're putting together inspirational ways that businesses can lean in very heavily with movement and metrics, but you're not necessarily prescribing the exact metrics per company. You're giving some ability for the private sector to figure out how do they fulfill that mission in a way that also works correctly with their business model. Am I reading that right as well? That's right. That's absolutely right. What we are is we are a CEO and business leader led cohort of a learning community. We're learning together, we're growing together, and regardless of where we are on this journey of transforming our own cultures and workplaces, we are committing to relentless forward movement together. And so we're not prescribing where people need to be at the starting line. We're not prescribing quotas. This is all about uh, a continuous desire to build truly multicultural workforces and in so doing, collectively build a truly multicultural, diverse and equitable economy. This, by the way, is a venture that no one has ever taken on before. This is, we are on the frontier here with our goal of building an inclusive Colorado. And kind of the same question about Activate. As our CEO partners, some of our corporate partners are listening, they certainly would probably think about this similar to the Business Roundtable's statement of the purpose of a corporation, which took place about a year ago in that it's really a reframing of how we think about business, how we think about a corporation's purpose in a way that is meant to change everything, you know, from here on out to really change the framework. And I see, and I see this as something similar. So how can our folks lean into what you're doing and be, be supportive and be part of your movement? Absolutely. Well, we are, we are literally inviting all leaders in Colorado to join, whether they're heading up nonprofits or for-profits or other organizations, because we believe that we didn't get here overnight. We can't solve this problem unless we collectively put our shoulders to the work of building a truly equitable and diverse and inclusive economy. So what your membership can do is join our movement. We are helping our leaders with a framework, resource, toolkit, and uh, a place where they can convene with other leaders in a safe space to talk about challenges, to inspire one another, to mentor and coach one another, or to simply admit, this is hard and I need to do this together with other people. And so we're building a community of action, a community of action and accountability together as we move forward to move the needle. Well, I appreciate your time today on the call. These these podcasts always go uh, so quickly, and it's so fun to hear about your background, and especially about Inclusive Economy. The website is inclusiveeconomy.us, if I've got that right, for folks to hear more. And I want to say it's so inspiring to talk to business people and entrepreneurially minded Coloradans like you who are thinking outside the box, thinking mission-oriented in a way that uh, this this disruption could actually be a force for good and not just a period of time that we uh, think about how to get back to normal. So Helen Young-Hayes, thank you again for joining us. And we're excited to 
be a part of what you've got cooking in the future. Appreciate your time today. Debbie, thanks for having me. Thanks everyone for joining us on Colorado Business Roundtable's podcast, Profits and Purpose. This has been a presentation of the Colorado Business Roundtable. Be sure to check out all of our episodes on Podcatchers Everywhere at cobrt.com. Our technical producer is John Ekstrom, Deaf Communications. Thank you for listening to Profits and Purpose.